0: hello and welcome back i'm franny and you're listening to into the world podcast where we talk about all things birth and motherhood each week i speak to a different parent about how their babies came into the world and how the journey unfolded we share the good the bad the ugly and of course the funny bits because most of all when things get tough we all need a laugh happy listening This podcast is kindly brought to you by Rascal & Friends Premium Diapers. Now that Briar Rose is here and I'm in the throes of new motherhood again, with three children and a high proportion of those kids in diapers, my love for the brand has only grown stronger. Rascal & Friends are premium in quality without the premium price tag. They're amazing for sensitive skin. For me and my family, it means that we go through less diapers, have fewer poo explosions, and the kids all look super cute in them. I haven't met a single person yet who's tried them and doesn't love them as much as I do, hence not switching back to other brands. They also do wipes now, which is even better news. They're 99% natural ingredients, they're fragrance-free, pH-balanced, and they make the perfect combination for kids like mine who have sensitive skin. I dare you to go try them. If you live in Canada, get yourself down to Walmart, or if you're in the UK, you can find them in Tesco's. I promise you won't regret it. Um, There's just nothing better out there. And Hopefully, you can't hear the white noise and my newborn squeaking in the background. Either way, that's my life now. Happy listening. This week, I'm talking to Emily D, not to be confused with last week's Emily. Just coincidence that we have Emma, 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 Emily, and Emily's three in a row. So yeah, we had decided to have this conversation because she wanted to share her story but also she wanted to point out what it's like as a photographer to be privileged enough to take pictures of families who have either lost a baby or are losing a baby or child and what she's sort of found from being in that situation and sort of how people deal with that and how she sort of honours those families. So that's sort of where this conversation came from. I really hope you enjoy listening to this. Emily is is a character. I love being around her. She has an infectious energy. She's taken my photo on a number of occasions. And the one thing I always have to say, and I'm sure I say in this episode, is that she's one very quick and she makes you feel like you're not having your photo taken, that you're completely yourself while it's happening, um, which is, I think, something that's really hard to do because everybody always thinks that they hate having their photo taken and they're not photogenic. But she makes the experience a really calm, laid-back and pleasurable one. And I'm sure it's because of her presence and how, how easy it is to be around her anyhow without further ado i will let the i'll let the episode progress and happy listening okay so i'm talking to emily this week i'm going to call you emily d because before yours airs we have another emily and this week isn't emma so i feel oh, like it's okay, wow. just we're emily emma galore uh-huh. at the moment <laughs> So anyway, I'm talking to Emily and she's here live in my cave.
1: (laughs) Which I love and want to move into. And
0: I also have a baby on my lap. So if you hear squeaking or the odd cry, you know why. I'm not going to excuse it because I feel like that's just my life now and I always have something going on in the background. But anyway, we'll get into the conversation so tell us a little bit about who Emily is and what you did before you set on the path of becoming a mother. I know that's such a vast question. I feel like sometimes I feel bad asking that question, but we were just chatting and saying how you started out having kids in the UK as well. So I feel like you've done a bit of a reversal of my life. So yeah, tell us about what happened before that, Like what what? how did you end up in the UK and tell us about your profession and everything
1: okay I was born and raised in the Maritimes and uh, I moved to Toronto after university Mm -hmm. and I met my husband when my university roommate who I lived here with Mm -hmm. ditched me um (laughs) because There was three of us and one of our roommates moved to Australia and my other roommate I just assumed we were going to live together. And she was like, yeah, we're not. I got this really sweet apartment offer at Bay and Bloor. And so on um, the friend who ditched me, who I still love, (laughs) Katie, she was having a housewarming party. She was having something. And I friend lived Katie lived beside my now husband Mike so the friend that I brought to the party his Mm -hmm. name was Brett which it doesn't matter what his name is but he was like hey my friend lives one
0: house away like
1: one condo building away can I invite him and I was like, sure, because you can invite anyone you want to 27-year-old, 25-year-old Oh, my God, yeah,
0: totally. Right? Oh, my God, yeah, those Um, are the days.
1: (laughs) So he showed up, and when I met him, I was like, oh, I like you. And he said something really funny where he said, what are you doing with these bruisers? (laughs) And being from the Maritimes, I find, like, funny one-liners – you know, I say lots of stuff and then screw it up like one-liners that I think are really funny. So um he ended up – anyways, you don't have to learn about how I got together with Mike, sorry. Um, no, no, it's okay. And go ahead. <laughs> so – I like and a good love story. <laughs> we – well, anyway. So your lives become then.
0: intertwined through
1: sort Yes, of through Katie, Katie Me. Yeah, okay. so I should thank her. Um, <laughs> So I, we got married and um, as we were, we got engaged and as we were driving home from the Cabot Trail, which is where we got engaged, I do this thing called the car ambush, which <laughs> is if we're on a long drive, I'll be like, so now Mike, we are going to like goal set or like talk about really hard Where you can't, can't get out of the car. And get out. Exactly. That's an excellent so, strategy actually. Yeah. I'm gonna try that. Oh, it's great. It's Bring really up something
0: great. that you know they don't want to talk about, <laughs> but they can't yeah. get out of the way.
1: Yeah. So he had we had just got engaged and we're driving home and I we're driving to my parents' house and I said, so now we have to come up with 10 individual goals. And 10 goals as a couple. So he's like, ugh. Um, (laughs) No pressure. Yeah, I know. So I was like, don't worry. I remember saying, don't worry. We have six hours until we get home to my parents' (laughs) house. And we have another 14 hours until we get home to Toronto, and I'm surprised he wasn't like, if you could just slip off that ring, I would really like that. <laughs> um, yeah, we're so done I've here.
0: changed my mind. I retract <laughs> yeah, the re- yeah. proposal.
1: Yeah, my parents are like very flamboyantly Greek, so if he took it back, they would kill him. They would like literally <laughs> kill him. So I'm sure he was like, shit,
0: too little. <laughs> oh, no, you can swear. Oh, okay.
1: Uh, Go too ahead. late to turn back now. Anyway, so during... That goal, we um, talked, he talked about how he wanted to live and work overseas. Okay. So within like a second of us coming home, Mm -hmm. he got an offer to move to India for six months. Wow. Yeah, like it was like a nanosecond. It's like, you know, those people who are like, my business coach calls it unconscious competence. Yeah. And I think it's because he is like male white privilege like just okay. oh of course this is gonna happen anyway so he like so he went off to India was and, really good at
0: manifesting oh, yeah, like so, instant
1: <laughs> It's instant. like a
0: genie yeah. in a bottle <laughs> I like I wish how we could move abroad could okay he, done it
1: <laughs> I know how else could he have landed me if he wasn't a master <laughs> um so yeah. then a long way to answer how we got to the UK so we got married he uh, went on yeah. his like work sabbatical
0: to india uh, to
1: india and he learned a really specific skill which was after 911 he's in banking mm-hmm. so i'm not going to go down that road but he his job is that globally he knits processes together right. so after 911 their intellectual capital needed to be like financial institutions needed to be spread across the world, so it wouldn't just be in one place. Right. And so... So he
0: was spread across the world in a way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: So so then we got married, had my daughter, Georgia, in Canada, and then he, in at Mount Sinai in Toronto, and then he, again, because he's a master manifester, got a offer to go to Edinburgh. Right. So we, like, I laugh that our second is unwelcome but not unloved so we like <laughs> said we were going to Scotland mm-hmm. and I was working at U of T at the time and um and I got pregnant mm-hmm. so it was like damn it I got pregnant I have this baby and we're moving to So the how UK.
0: pregnant was you when you moved
1: uh six months okay ish. right so wow my U of T is the best employer they're amazing they um gave me a leave of absence for a year I was able to roll into my maternity leave and get um vacation time to until I could move into that and and initially I was just going to quit and my um anyway so it worked out really really well um excellent yeah so then we had Everett who we call Evie in the UK
0: okay yeah um And I guess you had two pretty different experiences then. So maybe tell us about Georgia first. Like, what was the pregnancy like with her? Like, what were your highs and lows with the pregnancy?
1: So the high was getting rid of them out of my body because I was so sick. Like, I... The The whole time kind of thing. The whole time. Like, having a conversation with you and... Not being able to make it out of the room, like needing to vomit into the garbage can oh god, was brutal.
0: And i um, i I actually, I didn't have it as bad at all. But on Bodhi's pregnancy, I felt a very underlying level of nausea. But what you said about when you, the babies came out of you, you almost like felt an instant relief. Oh, it was like I've heard I that a lot
1: over the flu.
0: Wow. It and was brutal. And it's like, oh, this is what being normal feels like. Because mine was just, like, very underlying by that point. It was just, like, I feel rough, but I can manage. Um, but, yeah, when you go back to normal, you're almost like, ah, oh, mm-hmm. real life. Or I even feel that now, like, all the aches and pains I had a couple of weeks ago. I'm like, yeah, okay, I'm tired or whatever, and I've got a newborn. But um, I'm like myself again. <laughs> Does yeah. that make sense? Yes, like, yeah. yeah. And not just like sickness wise but just oh, there's no one else in me. It's, like, yeah, it's just me, yeah, exactly. It's just exactly. me, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um. So what? Was, and then what was your high? Oh, was your, that was your high, getting them out. Yeah, that was my
1: high.
0: <laughs> and I'm guessing the low was the whole way through, just vomiting and feeling horrendous. <sighs>
1: So the low with Georgia was she, we found out about a kidney defect. Oh, yes. Um. So that was definitely a really low point. Um.
0: And you found that out at 20 weeks? Yeah,
1: yeah. And with Evie, he, there was no real low while well, moving to a new country. That sucked a little bit being pregnant. But, oh, yeah. Um, it's, and
0: it's a hard thing to do in that area of your life, I think, because you're sort of stopped if you feel ill like you were saying you're kind of stopped doing so many things through being pregnant that like represent who you are or at least I found that when I first moved here I was like I'm not just a pregnant person and I don't know yeah like everything I did sort of revolved around being pregnant rather than if you was to move here single and you could like go out and like meet people at a bar or I don't know join in a bit more I suppose
1: uh, or did so, you not really
0: experience that
1: so i didn't experience that because i am an extreme extrovert like okay I would I will approach I cannot physically stand beside someone without introducing (laughs) myself like I just can't there's rustling out in another room and I'm like oh I wonder who that is like I will introduce myself the second
0: I meet them oh well good for you it's probably the perfect scenario you're the perfect person to move abroad because (laughs) I'm like an introvert that's like pushed myself out (laughs) oh really oh yeah like I feel like as a kid I was always shy and me and my husband probably the same um well you're naturally shy but I don't want to be necessarily and I think moving abroad forced me and the jobs I've had have forced me to not be like that because you can't like cut someone's hair and ignore them for an hour (laughs) for example or anything else I've done including this
1: yeah
0: you can't just not be personable but there's a lot of me that's still like, oh, I'm too shy to say that. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but um, yeah, like now I don't feel quite the same, but it's not what's natural. So I wouldn't mm-hmm. feel like I had to speak to someone at the bus stop, but oh, I might yeah. want oh, to. Oh, I would
1: have to. And then the minute you open up your mouth, people are like, oh, that's different. And my friend um, <laughs> Hamish, I don't know if it was Hamish or Soror, but one of them said, like, we don't ask people what our professions are here. And I was like, what do you mean? Oh, I feel like I'd I be do. like, hi, I'm Emily. Uh, what do you do? Like I would pepper people with questions yeah, and not pepper them. I just think I if naturally natural. yeah. want to know about people. And my husband, Mike, is so nice. He is so nice, but he's a real introvert. So I'm baffled that he will have conversations with people. He'd be like, have a conversation with you and not bring up the fact that having heard your accent that he didn't live in the UK like he would never say that I'm like that's why are you withholding that information here's your opportunity to connect with another person
0: yeah I can I can uh, understand that my my husband can be a bit like that where I'm like oh he'll go see his friends in England when we travel and I'll be like oh what are they all doing He'd be like, "Oh, I don't know." Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was like, "What did you talk to him about?" I, d- I don't know. I just don't think I asked him anything. And I was like, "Oh, well, that's useless." I wanted all of the gossip, and I've sent like the worst person <laughs> yeah. to go get it, so I like, come exactly. back with nothing. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's like a little bit of a generalization, but maybe it's a bit of a man thing too, like or shy man thing. I don't know. Yeah, um,
1: maybe Mike is Mike is very sweet, and he's he yeah he's he's shy, for sure oh big stretches she's doing it
0: um yeah so so they're the highs and your lows but I I feel like I skipped past a little bit you talking about what you do for a living having just brought that up like oh. so have you always been a photographer or is that something that your work has evolved into because I know you said you worked at the UFT was you teaching there or
1: no, I was a program coordinator. So I worked okay. at a place called Heart House. Okay. Um, and now I'm a photographer, but I think throughout, um, I think it's, I've always been a natural storyteller. Okay. Um, and not necessarily telling a story, but just trying to find what exists and mm-hmm. making the shiniest version of that. So right. I would, fo- which is a, probably a very flowery weird thing to say speaking of Mikey be like what does that even mean
0: Um, no but I can resonate with that and I like I'm really into storytelling and I think I've learned that from doing completely different careers I've always loved talking to people doing their hair and then like telling bits of my story to them because you have the same conversation with people (laughs) over and over and then other things I've done including this obviously has been similar but I wouldn't necessarily describe myself as a storyteller it's just that that runs through a lot of the things I enjoy Mm -hmm. it's just taken a while to realize that and I'm telling stories in a different way to you are so you're doing the shiny version I'm probably doing the unshiny
1: version (laughs) well I think that that is the shiny version so whatever Mm -hmm. yours is so i do i'm kind of embarrassed to say the name i do this campaign called emily d for change Mm -hmm. which and i'm embarrassed to say the name but i forced myself to to make my name because i don't think that women name things after themselves and claim their work enough
0: yes i agree with that 100 percent. so
1: anyway a man would definitely put their name in there (laughs) well because it made me feel so uncomfortable I forced myself to do it yeah and I think throughout my life I feel as though people have tried to tell my story for me I think that that is a real like my parents are Mm. my parents had a hard time being my parents, because I was like a total brat, where they were very traditional, hardworking Greek immigrants who had this daughter where the priest would come over and I'd be like, so let's talk about God. (laughs) Give me the facts on that. Or, you know, I was naturally really, really curious. Mm -hmm. So I think my like, um
0: so they found it hard to like understand where that came from almost
1: yeah and they would try to control it so mm-hmm. I was really in inhibited I would talk to whoever mm-hmm. I like what they would just be like shocked by me mm-hmm. you know stealing alcohol from them or they're like that is not what girls should do mm-hmm. that is not like sh- You know, you shouldn't be 16 stealing alcohol from your parents.
0: I feel like we've all been there a bit. Um, My kids won't
1: be, though. I've been such an excellent parent. They're not going to do any of
0: that stuff. Well, good for you. I don't don't think I can say the same about myself. I'm like, I just know the tricks. I think we're going to be okay because I know what I did. That's where I feel like, I don't know, we'll see. Maybe they'll just be able to outsmart us. Every generation will. There'll be like an app for it or something.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah, maybe, maybe.
0: Who knows? Yeah, they won't even have to steal it. They'll get it delivered <laughs> via like some kid Amazon like shoot off thing. <laughs> Who knows? Oh,
1: God. That's um, a scary
0: thought. Anyway, so, sorry. <laughs> I think the,
1: that's okay. I think the whole story thing is when people say like, find your purpose. Know this. No, like, I think if you, even when taking a simple portrait, if you. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm really good at sitting in someone's discomfort. So if I have anyone from, you know, everybody says, I'm so, I'm, like, try to convince me that they're really unphotogenic. Yeah. And... I've,
0: I remember you saying about this before, yeah.
1: Yeah, and I just think it's a matter of because I can sit with anyone Mm -hmm. and I'd rather be sitting with someone than sitting on my own. So I'm like, Oh, you're uncomfortable. Great. We'll just sit here and do hard things together. Okay. Um, so, and I really think at the core, everybody reflexively knows what their story is. So this Emily D for change campaign Mm -hmm. that I do is allowing women to tell their own stories Mm -hmm. and, it's you know they write them it's you've been a part of it yeah yeah beautiful in terms of um
0: not writing the caption for them to go with the photo yeah or
1: editing it for them or doing any of those things
0: letting it be a bit more organic and authentic almost
1: and what comes out is is always really interesting in terms of um you know when um Uh, We found out that Georgia had a kidney issue. Mm -hmm. I remember that um, having a conversation with one of our parents, Mm -hmm. and they started crying to me and saying, She's going to be okay, right? She'll be okay. And I thought, Why are you asking me to make you feel better? Yeah. And I think we do, we just, and I'm not, I feel so. Love but also supportive. sometimes I
0: think on the other end of that is that you feel the need to, like, I remember telling our parents bad news and things and being like, but I'm okay. Like, so don't worry about me. Almost like I wanted to manage that yes. too because them worrying about me seemed more stressful, <laughs> if that makes oh, sense. Oh, yeah, that's a,
1: that's an interesting perspective.
0: Um, But I guess if they were asking, they weren't asking that if that makes sense yeah. I just was like preemptively being like don't worry about me yeah
1: yeah because yeah. that's gonna
0: stress me out
1: uh-huh oh.
0: but anyway that's just my perspective oh,
1: sweet. um and so sad that you thought that you had to do that
0: yeah it kind of is I guess but I don't think because they made me feel like that I think it's almost like my people pleasing nature to be like yeah. oh but yeah, please, yeah like I'm okay I'm okay I'm okay yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway
1: Slash not at all yeah yeah yeah
0: <laughs> actually definitely not yeah um sorry carry on um so you but you think that sort of takes away from your story then by i guess somebody asking you to reassure them
1: yeah well i just think that we don't have opportunities to tell our story because mm-hmm. we i think we are already fully formed wonderful beings that you know when I go and work within a family or if I've talked to um uh <laughs> sorry her squeaking I'm is so like, distracted it's like, by the baby sorry. I just I, I just want to like implant myself with an egg right now. Um fertilized egg. Mike surprise yeah. um and I I just think that we like faff about and we know what our story, uh, we intrinsically know what our story is. And Mm -hmm. my gift is.
0: Helping people tell it. Not
1: even helping people, just being there while they tell it. So asking questions or, you know, I just photographed someone who hated, of course, like the and people who are super attractive are the ones who hate being photographed. So, oh,
0: so funny. I'm like,
1: oh, yeah, I've never heard that before. That you, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh.
0: <laughs> um, yeah. It must be quite annoying.
1: <laughs> like, oh, it's not annoying at all. I find it really funny human behavior. Yeah. And this woman said, you know, I didn't even really realize that I was being photographed. Thank you. Because we were just chatting. And you know when someone's like – like I'm doing right now sort of battering on and you're like get over it and like you'll tell a joke and like snap your finger you know that I'm snapping my finger so you take that moment and you take that photo where it's like kind of suspending the disbelief of having the camera I also think when
0: you took my photo which I'll have to share at some point after this airs just for reference um I remember like it taking like no time and you just been like Yep. yep and we're done and I was like oh it was almost like you were waiting for something to start and actually it was over. Yeah. Which was really yeah. nice, like, as, um, I guess, a feedback of that, what you're describing, it was it was great because normally you're like, okay, brace yourself, here we go. And you, like, try to pose and you was like, yeah, don't do that, move your arm, like, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and then, yeah, you was like, yep, yeah, we're done. And then had a great photo and it took no time and just felt like, oh, brilliant, like, I mean, even if it had gone on for longer, it was almost like I didn't feel like I was doing it. If that makes sense, oh, even if That's like really doing nice. it if
1: yeah,
0: yeah. is a thing, uh-huh. I don't know. Uh-huh. <laughs> but yeah, I would say um, that was my experience having my photo taken with you, anyway. And I enjoyed one, it not taking forever, and two, not feeling like it was like forced or like not yourself. You don't feel yourself in the moment. If that makes sense.
1: Oh. Thank you. That's very
0: nice. Oh you're welcome. Um, so sorry going back to the original question so you've sort of become a photographer as your main thing through <coughs> your storytelling and like the things that have, you've realized that you like about that
1: mm-hmm. And yeah. do you
0: mostly do for portraits?
1: I do portraits so I do I spread my time equally between two things so mm-hmm. as a photographer physically clicking the shutter um, mm-hmm. and then I help people make photo books oh so yes so the physical oh. part of that is making I saw the books, this at Christ- I
0: saw you talking about this at Christmas oh, and nice. I was like this is such a good idea <sighs> I remember you saying that you did it with a client. You literally sat with her for, like, was it two days or something and went through all of her photos yeah. to put them in books and, like, yes. delete them because I'm one of those annoying people that have 40,000 photos Every- on my reel and about five printed ones in my home.
1: So here's the uh, thing that I think is pretty refreshing about the way that was not me. I was gonna that, say was that was either awful. of us. <laughs> yeah, no. We might uh, have to give you
0: to grandma in a minute. She's squeaking too much, I think. Let's finish this bottle. She likes it. Well, at least we know she Uh, had a good birth there.
1: So I think that we're like, oh, we have 40,000 photos, but really we only have one story. Mm -hmm. So what is that story you're trying to tell? It's not – I think we come from – we come from a place of thinking we need to do something with the 40,000 photos, but really we want to just tell one story. Mm-hmm. And you, for me, our family, I have a annual portrait book for each of my kids that have only portraits of them in it. Nice. Um, and then we have vacation photos uh, and I make little books. They're six by six and they're really easy to make. So I have been really liking before we even look at your photos we talk about what's the story we want to tell so for you it would probably be about like new beginnings and the story of all of your children and you would tell that in a very different way but it would still come from the same place of like how do you want your kids to feel right when they look back on them and uh, and what
0: are you showing them like if you're showing them in yours like just their portrait of how they've changed or whatever you need to have like Well, I'm reading from that that you need to have, like, one goal rather than trying to put 40,000 photos in there (laughs) and being like, look at this mess.
1: Uh
0: (laughs) It's not on my phone now. It's in a book. Uh uh
1: (laughs) And I think, you know, lots of people say, well, I just really like digital photos. It's like, well, great, but think about it down the track when technology advances to the point that you can't actually print your photos now. Mm -hmm. So if I tried to plug in my iPhone and print Georgia's photos when she was a baby, it doesn't work. It retracts to its factory setting. So it can't even access those photos. Mm -hmm. So when you think about, oh, I just want them to live digitally, but how is that going to work? You know, when I had my kids, I would go home to St. John. And the first question that we would ask is, do our kids look like us? Mm -hmm. So So what's going to happen? We're like, oh, everybody, you know, crowd around onto grandma's iPad (laughs) or, like, let's look at my Apple Watch. too. Yeah, it's true. So I think the only standard has been printing on archival quality paper.
0: Yeah, and also – I could
1: talk about this all day. Yeah,
0: and I also think just to touch on that before we go on something else that um, I also have, and I'm sure everyone else is guilty of this – so you take one photo of your family but you take 10 just in case and yeah. like they're all like a different differentiating of the same photo and they're all usually a bit shit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, but why can't you condense that down to the best one and then you could probably consolidate your 40,000 photos into like 400 or something and they'd be the best one of those and they're in books or they're organised in some way that you can actually nicely see them yeah exactly. <laughs> because that's what I need to do at some point but anyway we'll talk about mm-hmm. that another time so that's you Emily as a photographer basically and all the storytelling things that you do and your photo books that's sort of mm-hmm. like your professional life at the moment I guess mm-hmm. and then um going back to your birth stories so with Georgia and the kidney thing like how how did that make you feel for the rest of the pregnancy because you obviously found out at 20 weeks that's a long time to be worrying about it or did you sort of have any resolve on that before you gave birth um like what was what was they telling you at that point that um i guess what was her diagnosis when when you found out would be my straight question (laughs) okay
1: so she was born with something called a duplex collecting system so every body every i don't know normal body i don't Mm -hmm. know if i can say that but a typical body is that you have two kidneys with two poles like tubes that flush into your bladder Mm -hmm. so georgia had One of her left kidney is shaped as a rattle with two poles coming through it. Right. So the top has no of that rattle has no function. Right. Um, and the pole, so the tube, was going into this sack. That if it got the risk was not in utero. I knew she was fine in utero. Right. But once she needed to get rid of waste, there was a risk of her filling up this sack. Mm-hmm. That was blocking her bladder, mm-hmm. like the blocking the normal functioning, mm-hmm. which could then reflux, which you just don't want your, like, waist to be going back into your body. Yeah,
0: absolutely not.
1: Yeah, so she... Um,
0: so her systems so weren't going to work properly, I guess, once she was um, independent of so you. So there was a
1: risk of it not working right. properly. And this is a really common birth defect, apparently. Okay. So, which...
0: I was going to say, I haven't heard of it, but then.
1: I think it's like one knows. in a thousand kids. Okay. Which really, I didn't care about any of those stats. Yeah. Um, so I was then transferred into the high risk department at Mount Sinai, mm-hmm. where I would have to go every week, um, get ultrasounds, and do all of those things. And I don't know why, but I had an amazing doctor, and mm-hmm. we sat down, and he was like, I don't want to make you feel unwelcome, but there's a really low risk of mm-hmm. you, of anything being wrong. So mm-hmm. I said to him, okay, well, I've been Googling. I know that's not a good thing to do, but I have been doing that. Mm-hmm. So I want you to be really honest with me. What would you tell your daughter? Which is my, like, Go-to statement of <laughs> a lifetime. Like, what do you want for your child? Yeah, yeah. And so, because people come from a place of being human, right? Mm-hmm. So he said, well, you know, these are all of the risks. These are all of these things. I'm like, okay. So I knew that she was fine in utero. So there was a peace, but I was also really terrified to give, birth to her because I had these visions of like she would be born they would have to bring her through the Mm -hmm. underground to sick kids Mm -hmm. and Mike would have Mike wouldn't have to go he would want to go yeah and then I would just be sitting there oh yeah on my own yeah which is a reality
0: for a lot of parents or mothers yeah I've heard that before um well not just on this podcast but on in life that that's that's what happens to a lot of women and whether whatever the outcome or however minor the uh reason that their kid has gone there it's really traumatic just after birth
1: just my thing is that you also because you can't have your phone on in those spaces Mm -hmm. so I had this like terrifying vision of you know trying to get out of the damn room and, like, my placenta falling out. But, like, I just, like, need – So we hired this doula called Geraldine Dempsey, which Mm -hmm. if you are looking for a – If you are looking – for the most magical human you'll ever meet look her up <laughs> she, she is also a doula <laughs> yeah she's also a doula that's like a small part of it so so I you hired to her myself, to
0: manage this situation almost
1: yeah so she was at our birth and mm-hmm. what I Rationalize was like okay i'm paying her so if georgia gets sent off with mike i can just make jerry run back and forth and like give me up to the minute answers yes 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 <laughs> and anyway, She's like none of that ended up happening thank god okay excellent um and georgia was born and she did have a awful surgery for me mm-hmm. emotionally um but i realized like Throughout the pregnancy, Mike was the pillar of strength. Like, mm-hmm. it was almost like he was like, it's going to be fine. Like, he didn't really understand. And then the minute we had Georgia and he was holding her, he had a moment where, well, Mike became emotional, obviously, and was like, what will we do if something is wrong with her? Mm-hmm. And um, I remember, and I didn't obviously didn't say this, but I remember thinking, like, where have you been? yeah for like he woke
0: up to it almost yeah
1: it was like it didn't become real until he was holding her but mm-hmm. I had the total opposite where when I was holding her it was like okay I'm we're good now like yeah. nothing is gonna happen to her yeah we got this like yeah which was really interesting it, I found I, it really interesting
0: I, I can resonate with that because I all of my worry has always been about being pregnant and that being uh, taken away or probably because you found out about something at 20 weeks and how that plays out in your mind and your body um and obviously for me it didn't well sorry about that Burke again um it didn't go well but it was like I've never had worry about when the children are here I'm not like an anxious parent mm-hmm. um and it's never transpired to that which I know other people have found interesting but yeah once I've had the kids I'm like no, we're good, like, it's fine, because they're here now, and I can physically mm-hmm. control a little bit more of it, or at least yeah. that's how I felt, so I was wondering, maybe that's similar for you, then, maybe, yeah, because they're physically there with you, and, mm-hmm. like, you're almost worrying about that not happening up until that point,
1: yeah, yes, yeah,
0: mm. yeah, because I, I had, I had, that's the experience I had, anyway, um, as well, I know other people, their worry starts at that point,
1: yeah, it's probably because they weren't heinously sick throughout, so maybe that's yeah, yeah, good.
0: maybe, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's very true. Um, so since she was born, um, was that where this sort of problem stopped after she had the operation, or is it an ongoing thing?
1: So she was discharged from regular care at uh, sick kids around when she was five. Okay. Yeah, and she was on a really low dose of antibiotics to, you know, make sure. But weirdly, every time she gets sick, I there's like something. If when you have a child that's sick, kids, I mm-hmm. and, and think something happens where you're like, you're fine, you're fine, you're fine, until you have that checkup, and then you're like. <sighs> You know, life yeah. is so. You know, here's a reminder. So I remember, like two days before, mm-hmm. it was like I would become almost like unhinged getting her there. So, anyways, yeah. to answer your question, she is fine. She is a, you know, beautiful little nine year old who mm-hmm. can't wait to be a tween. And, um, <laughs> oh, bless her! <laughs> yeah, she's very sweet and totally fine and physically far at further than any normal person should be oh She'll that's be great like, do you mom do you think that you might like to set a goal of doing um <laughs> excellent the splits and like hard pass sweetheart yeah right.
0: yeah thanks yeah. but no <laughs> yeah. not on the splits try me on something else <laughs> yeah exactly oh. oh I do remember being an age where like I really just wanted to be able to do the splits oh, or, yeah, or like whatever career. yeah exactly yes.
1: I know. So Isn't that's like that a funny? really
0: nice thought to remember that part of your life where that was like your main concern. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Can I be able to do splits by uh-huh. the end of summer? Uh, still no. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> and all those innocent things rather than the worries we have now. Yeah. Um, yeah. And how did you feel after your birth with, well, with both of your kids, really, in terms of other than physically not feeling sick, like how did you feel in the wake of like having children I suppose like what what helped you at your worst and what was the experience after like for you
1: um so with Georgia I think I had some postpartum stuff that I didn't really realize mm-hmm. where and I only know that because I had Everett mm-hmm. so with right Georgia I I couldn't have her away from me. So if Mike was holding her, that was fine. If anyone else was holding her... You felt anxious. I, yeah. I was like, I just need to get her back. So uh-uh. I would be like, oh, I think she's hungry. Like, no, she's not hungry. And then when I had Evie, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, anyone want to hold my baby? Oh, yeah, yeah. hey, my ba- you can hold him. And he was... You know, both of the kids were so sweet. But I don't think that I, I think I had a different, because of the fear,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I remember saying to my friend, <laughs> which I don't know how, she wasn't like, come on. So I remember people would stop me with Georgia mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. And there was something like really magical about her and not that Evie wasn't magical, but there was something different. And I think it's because I was so protective of her that I probably misconstrued it. But I said to my friend Krista, who has four kids, and she's basically like a homesteader. She is okay. a mother through and like through. real maternal quality. Yeah, and she's also like, she's crazy maternal, but she's like, you know, the CEO of a huge company. Like she's just, she has it all together. Okay. She's like the holy grail. So (laughs) I said to her, and I think she was on, like, baby number three and number Mm -hmm. two at this point. For sure, she already had her second. And I said to her, do you think that because Georgia is sick, there's something really magical about her? Like, she's extra beautiful. (laughs) Brilliant. (laughs) And she was like, um... Um, and I'm sure she said something really encouraging because she's amazing. But I was just thinking about like, that. Like, you know, it's that was this equivalent <laughs> when of a can... comment when my friend who gained like a hundred pounds with her pregnancy tried saying like, you can't even tell I'm pregnant from the back. I'm like, oh
0: boy. <laughs> oh, boy. No.
1: Yeah, or just no, like a fact right. is a fact sometimes. <laughs> but like
0: you're, yeah, you're so out of yes. touch of reality almost. Yeah. But it's a nice thought to think, though, I think. Mm-hmm. So yeah. in terms of your actual births, how did they play out? Like, how was the actual birth for you? Was you induced? Did you go into labor naturally? Uh, tell us about Georgia
1: first then. Okay, so Georgia, I woke up and said to, to Mike, like, oh, my God, I think I peed my pants. And he was like, <laughs> ew. Neither of us knew anything that was happening. So I went to the hosp I went to my doctor's appointment and the doctor was like, "Yeah, you're in labor. Uh, go to Mount Sinai." And so I went to Mount Sinai and for some reason they induced me as well, probably cuz I really did just pee my pants and it wasn't like
0: so that, and I and I think on a lot of hospitals they like, you're kind of like on a watch, aren't you? Especially yeah, if you're
1: 24 hours Yeah, if especially if your water's broken. Blood. Yeah. Um so Anyways, I went to the hospital. And you had Pitocin, I'm
0: guessing. Had if was...
1: which was brutal. And I was really afraid to get an epidural. Mm-hmm. Not from a I want to be a hero place, yeah. but I met this woman when I was younger who lost um Well, that's risks, isn't there? Yeah. yeah. So she there's was a lot like the risks. worst case scenario. And I was like, hard pass on that one but my nurse because Georgia had to be so closely monitored mm-hmm. I wasn't allowed to move. So uh, I need to be I needed to be standing still because I would have the heart rate monitor on. Right. And so I was just like basically marching in place and then I was in so much pain and it was during so without so I didn't have anything and then I reached a point where you know the transition when you're oh, like, yeah, it's very oh, real no. to me
0: still. <laughs> yeah,
1: but you think <laughs> it's just pain, you don't realize that it's a transition. Yes, when you're like, I can't do this, I can't do this, this is so hard. So, and you
0: feel a bit like you might pass out or that you're gonna die. Yeah, and you have no foresight into uh-huh. realizing that maybe your baby's gonna be born yeah. any second. <laughs> yeah,
1: like you just have to protect yourself. That's it. Oh, so, so yeah. in that moment, and our nurse was so bad, like she was, um, they called. <laughs> contacted me because they needed to dismiss her afterwards. Oh, wow. To get information. And I didn't really get it then because I was just like, I walked into the hospital. I was like, I need to meet this baby. The, she was the least of my concerns. So when she would say something insane, I'd be like, whatever. <laughs> like,
0: it was, yeah, yeah, it's not yeah. even on your radar. Uh-huh.
1: Yeah. So I got the epidural when I was 10 centimeters dilated.
0: Oh, wow. And that's Which a really hard point hard. to have it.
1: Yeah, really hard. So I remember but when you Mike want it was the most. like holding me Yeah, and he was shaking so much that he was shaking me. And I was like, okay, we need to get the nurse in here. Mike, like move aside, yeah, basically yeah, yeah. move aside. So I can remember saying to him as she was coming, keep pressing the button because I couldn't feel it. And, right. and a new nurse had come in at that point and the new nurse said, well you're so far along that it just is not taking. So she was trying to rationally talk to me, and I just looked at Mike and was like, if I hear, like she, as she's talking to me, I'm looking at Mike and saying, if I hear you, stop pressing that clicker. You're not allowed to see the baby. <laughs> <laughs> like, I just was like, keep pressing
0: it. Probably another sign that she's coming, because <laughs> like you turn into, like, someone yeah. you don't even recognize uh-huh, anymore. Uh-huh. Yeah, They
1: couldn't even put the catheter in. mm Anyways, so with Evie, it was totally different. I was in the UK. I had a midwife. They came from a place of, like, you know your body best. Mm -hmm. I, yeah, I just delivered Evie. Like, when people say, oh, I had a natural birth, it's like nothing was natural about what happened there. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Didn't feel it, at least. (laughs) Yeah, no. So Evie was, like, super low-key and wonderful. Georgia when you say
0: low-key and wonderful was you still in the hospital and you just wasn't induced and things just went a lot more easily yeah
1: like we showed up I pushed for a couple of minutes and I had Evie
0: right wow yeah and that soon like how long was that time period do you think
1: oh I'm sure I'm like pumping my tires but I think we got there (laughs) around like two-ish and we had him around five
0: Okay, so still really quick in relative terms. Yeah,
1: yeah, it was quick. And my mom was visiting from St. John, and we were living in Edinburgh at the time. Right. So I didn't have to worry about anything.
0: Oh, that's nice. Mm
1: -hmm. It was really nice. The only thing I can remember worrying about is that Mike bought me a BLT. And (laughs) there was so much butter on it that I was like, this is...
0: It's gonna this, be gross. Yes,
1: <laughs> yeah. this is gonna be gross, and I really need to eat something that's great. And he's like, "Okay."
0: <laughs> Should have gone to Marks and <laughs> I know. I know. Uh.
1: Um,
0: but you have really fond memories then, clearly, of his birth just being like idyllic as much as it can be. Or...
1: Yeah, 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 for sure. And George's wasn't bad because, like I said, I got her in the end. So yeah. It do you think there's an emergency with
0: Tim? No, no, this is now somebody totally else calling that oh. I asked not to call till later. But uh. anyway, sorry. <laughs> No, he'll call me like three times and then realise that um I don't want to talk to him. Uh. It's not a good time. Okay. So you like that was just no someone way, random. No, there's okay. no okay. emergency. Right. Okay. <laughs> okay, okay. Um yeah, sorry, carry on. Um you were saying how you but you got her, so It was still a good experience, and obviously you had all that fear and stress before that.
1: Yeah. So the the having the baby was easy. Like when you have to go, I remember going to the high risk department and hearing people getting really hard news in the paper thin waiting room next to me, and just hearing the like the sadness. There's a lot going on
0: at Mount Sinai, isn't there? If you're like tuned into it. Um, yeah. No, I agree. I think as well when you need something, everything else becomes relative. Because I always had these ideas of like having this kind of birth and that kind of birth, and when I had Phoenix and it didn't go well, and then we went on to have Bodhi, it was like, oh, I don't care. Like, put me in the high hospital. Yeah. Put pitocin in me. Like, uh-huh. give me a C section. Just get him out, and it'd be fine. I don't really care anymore. Uh-huh. And then, like, as time goes on, you might change your mind on that. But I was quite happy to be in the high risk to have Pitocin, to do all the things that made it necessary in that specific scenario, Um, because I felt like it was very, um, gives you peace of mind, right? And I'm
1: sure in your situation too, you just want peace of mind. Mm And everything else
0: becomes relative. So what single thing that somebody did for you um, helped you the most? Like what helped you in the wake of both of these experiences?
1: So there's like my, as I said, my parents are Greek. Um, and <laughs> you, it's like an old fashioned thing, but you, you, somebody is serves the mother for the first 40 days okay and so I've if never I, heard
0: this before so. Yeah, right so
1: it's it really great so my parents are very religious and mm-hmm. they the first 40 days you're supposed to allow the mother to fully take care of the baby so my mom was really wow. really amazing she was like I'm just here to help you as opposed to wanting to hold the baby all the time.
0: Which is great advice anyway. Yes. Like that's what you really need, isn't it?
1: Yeah. So yeah. you are sort of sequestered for 40 days, which I wasn't. Um, mm-hmm. Cause I was like, I'm going to my friend's house. Bye. She's like, <laughs> you're not supposed to take the baby out. I'm like, we're good. Um,
0: <laughs> but you could so... carry on cleaning the house while I'm out if you like. <laughs> yeah.
1: And she would change our sheets. Like, every second day and I mean like put the sheets out on the line have them air dried and put them back on the bed
0: oh wow it
1: was amazing like that she did a hundred things a million things because that's something
0: that you really remember
1: yeah so it was that one thing yeah I think Mike would remember that too
0: yeah I feel like that's a really luxurious thing to do as well like if you just come into tons of money and someone was like, what could you do? be like, change my sheets every day. Yeah, uh-huh,
1: uh-huh. I feel like yes. that's something that would
0: just be so nice.
1: Yeah.
0: I love getting into fresh sheets. Uh-huh, me um, too. Me too. Um, so yeah, every day though, that's incredible. Every, I feel like, like once a week feels luxurious uh-huh. at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Um, But that's such a nice like tradition to have like religious or not. I feel like I'm getting a little bit of that at the moment because I'm only three weeks postpartum and I have my in-laws here. So they're doing a lot of the things that I would normally do if I wasn't with a newborn. Mm-hmm. I think I can hear my mother-in-law putting around doing my washing at the moment. <laughs> um, but, yeah, for 40 days, wow, that's that's really lovely. Oh, it's Um I think, I mean, I'm definitely not having any more children, but I feel like that's something that people should really think about more because you never get that time afterwards. I think about this a lot, that, like, once you start doing a lot of things, you never go back and, like, sit with your newborn in bed again.
1: Yeah, Do you know what I mean? And when you have more kids, it's a different experience.
0: Oh, yeah. I'm trying to, like, milk everything I can at the moment because I have help and because you can never go back to the one kid that's all that matters. It's like, oh, I can cuddle you, but then I have to go do pick-up and don't forget to go pick this one up from there and, oh, the other one needs a nap. And, well, yeah, there's just a lot of logistical things going on that – that I look back on and think oh I remember when we had one kid and we just would wander around with no, no care in the world or I'd say to someone do you want to meet me at like five and now oh, if someone yeah. asked to meet me at five I'll be like are you know. mad you like, it's know. nearly know. bedtime that doesn't, <laughs>
1: change. that doesn't change even now I sent my um I sent Mike a note and was like can I meet my friend at seven o'clock? Cause, cause the reality is that like Georgia needs to pick, be picked up from dance and mm-hmm. needs to be picked up from here. Cabot needs art. Cause we have a dog mm-hmm. needs to go for a walk or like, and the ramifications of which are like Cabot's going to eat the couch and the kids, someone's going to call CAS on the kids for not picking them up. Like, <laughs> yeah. no, I can't do anything leisurely during that time.
0: Oh no. Yeah. After like even three 30 where you got to start <laughs> thinking about going somewhere, You can't really do anything with, like, Mm -hmm. um, a carefree attitude, I suppose, is the right way of putting it. Um, And if you had a bit of advice you could give yourself pre-kids, what would that be? (laughs) I feel like you're looking at me like,
1: what? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. What did I say? You said
0: stop waiting or being afraid kids are the best.
1: (laughs) Oh, that's right. Yeah, I wouldn't.
0: Was I, it like a scary thing to imagine having yourself with kids And I'm guessing?
1: Well, I was just like, well, I should do this and I should do that. and But really, like the minute you have a kid, you're like, this is amazing. And when am I going to get grandchildren? Yeah. Now, like both of my kids are going to be, you know, these great, curious citizens of the world who want to get freaking advanced degrees. And they're not going to have kids until they're like 30 something like Mike and I.
0: Yeah, I know, and that's just like the way of the world now, isn't it? Yes. Like everyone wants to achieve so much before that, yeah, you could just miss out on it entirely. I do think about that sometimes. Yeah. But Whereas safety I- in numbers, I'm like the three of them, <laughs> one of them might have a child of like 20 yeah, exactly. or 15 or something by accident. <laughs> Don't see that
1: 15, oh, my God. You never know. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I when I had... I know that lots of people are like, oh, you know, when you have a mom, you're this like something really creative and uninhibited, even more uninhibited than I was before <laughs> <laughs> existed, happened when I had my kids. It was like this new permission to dream and be and yeah, seeing the world through them where it's like, if, if I'm having a hard, actually a business coach said to me, um, I will shout her out because I love her. Hannah Kahn said, mm-hmm. What would you, she asked me a really hard question. Mm-hmm. And she said, What would you tell Georgia to do in this instance? And it was a matter of me, like, caring what someone thought or, no, I was accepting, like, bad behavior from someone. Mm -hmm. And she said, well, what would you, how would you expect Georgia to be treated in this way? And I was like, so it is allows you to be laser sharp, whereas...
0: And also I think sometimes it's easy to be like, you never want your kids to think they aren't capable of something or. Yeah,
1: because they are capable of everything.
0: Yeah, but then you don't tell yourself the same story often. Which is sad. Mm -hmm. Well, I think just as adults, we've had more life experience to know that things don't always work out, but there's no reason why it can't necessarily too. So I think it's, and also so many women seem to like, Go into business, change up what they're doing. Like mm. after having kids, it's yeah. almost like a a transformation. Or I, know. I, I call don't know. Like I can't
1: permission to dream.
0: Yeah, because they d- they say now, like you have, like you have your puberty, you have like motherhood, you have all these like transitions as a woman. And I think it was one of those for me where I was like, oh fuck it, like life's too short. Like we gotta mm. just like get on with it if you want to do it. Like what we wait, what are you waiting for almost? Yeah. Yeah. Um so yeah, that's so I guess that's what you'd want to tell yourself then, I suppose. To go back and <laughs> yeah. oh to go back with that attitude would be so nice, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. It's like when your parents say to you, Oh, just wait till you're my age and you'll think this and you're like, Oh shut up and then you get to like that age and you're like, Oh god damn it, why wasn't I listening? <laughs> so annoying <laughs> Oh, and we'll all repeat the same cycles because it's just the way of the world but it is annoying <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so my favorite question and I absolutely loved your answer for this if you had a day without kids where would you do where would you go what would you do like how would you spend your time I feel like so much of what you wrote resonated with what I did when I got here <laughs> because I feel like we have similar interests in terms of like knitting and Uh crafting and just a love of the workroom which is a great place to go Uh and make things like quilts pillows Uh I don't know they do a bunch of courses for I don't even know how you describe it but it's mostly like sewing and stuff I suppose yeah
1: most of
0: yeah like bag making Uh that kind of stuff but when I got here didn't have a job nothing to do and no child to care for I basically did all the things that you're listing on yes, what you would do on yeah. a free day. Oh,
1: well, this happened to me. So um, a few weeks ago, there was a really big storm and my kids were up north with my in-laws. Mm-hmm. And so I, M- Mike and I had dinner the night before. We woke up in the morning and mm-hmm. had a really nice breakfast. And then we were supposed to head up north to grab the kids.
0: Mm-hmm. And but I you said, couldn't because of the storm. No, no,
1: no, no. So I said, I'm going to meet my friend for coffee and to get a planner at mm-hmm. my favorite place, Paper Plus Cloth, which is a Japanese, like, stationery shop. Oh, nice. And so I, like, it was really bad weather. I got on the streetcar, made it there to meet my friend um, Day, and then we were going to the workroom to... Because uh, it's right across the street from Paper Plus Cloth, so okay. Mike called me when I was at Paper Plus Cloth, mm-hmm. and he was like, "So, Mom and Dad think it's the weather is really bad, and they want permission to keep the kids overnight." And I was like, "Pardon?" I, I it's like no I problem. Even <laughs> understand what he was saying, and I was like, "Um."
0: no problem yeah
1: should we feel bad about this and he's like no so I
0: no we should say the weather's yeah you're right the weather is horrendous don't even think about bringing them anywhere near us
1: I know and I was like thank you so I had a full day where I went I had a really nice brunch with my friend day we chose I'm really into like sashiko right now which okay. is a japanese hand work like visible mending sort of stitching oh, um cool yeah and so i chose a prada uh uh Pattern? project Oh project sorry and so i bought some stuff from there and i learned about this new like bullet journaling thing at paper plus cloth ah. and then i came home mike and i had like a great dinner we hung out it watched tv it was amazing like i just basically <laughs> fell asleep with all of my favorite things, Mike, my journal, like, it was oh my wonderful. God. Um,
0: I feel like yeah. it's so nice to hear from the perspective of someone who's actually done it, because most of the yes! people I'm talking to are like, oh my god, I'd love to do this, <laughs> but I never can, oh my god, I'd love to do that, but I never can, and it's yeah. like, no, you actually went and did it, uh-huh. that's, that's awesome.
1: So, one of the things, when I first, when Mike and I first got together, he, I would, I thought once we got married that, you know, he has really close friends from university and they go away two times a year Mm -hmm. to ski. He snowboards, but like just to do sort of things for them. Mm -hmm. And I would be like, You can't do that anymore. We're married. We have kids, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. He was like, I am going to continue doing it and you can do it or you can like
0: find something else. You You choose.
1: Okay. So I thought, I. Why am I going to cut off my nose to spite my face? Like you're right.
0: So mm-hmm.
1: now I just like
0: you tried something off live for like that. a dude. Yeah. yeah, and we should. Yes,
1: yes. <laughs> it's I just true. Think, actually, like, why try to be a hero?
0: And also, I think sometimes like it's very easy. Like my example of that would be um, my husband's about to go on a stag do for one of his friends who still lives in the UK um or bachelor party however you want to describe it Uh and you know my first instinct was to be like no you can't go like and spend all of our disposable income in 10 minutes Uh um that's not fair but I was like yeah okay and then I want to go to maybe Vegas or something before the end of the year and he (laughs) was like all right (laughs) and I was like yeah because you can't say one without the other and I might not go to Vegas but I'm gonna do something you should and I'm gonna do it after once I've worked out how much money he's spent so I can feel not guilty about spending the same well
1: I think (laughs) or whatever you you know say what do you want your daughter what Mm -hmm. would you tell her because right now you're Mm. in like the eye of the storm I don't know if that's a saying yeah but
0: I get the sentiment
1: (laughs) yeah you're just it is I remember Georgia's doctor at the checkup said to me How are, right after she was born, she said, how are you doing? Mm -hmm. And they're like, you know, fishing to see if you have.
0: Postpartum or you're anxious or you've got the baby blues or all of the
1: above. (laughs) And I, and I said to her, I have, I feel as though I have come alive. I am so happy and content Mm -hmm. and I just can't, I don't know what I did to deserve. Mm Mm-hmm this in my life
0: yeah no I can I can understand that I feel like that at the moment I feel like right we're done having kids but I'm very content in
1: where we're at as
0: well Mm -hmm. um so she ended up saying
1: a year later she said you know I remember you saying that and she said now I want you to I challenge you to do something for yourself she's Mm -hmm. an amazing doctor we no longer have her but um So I think that within all of us, we need to not, you know, we talk about like self-care as this, like something there, it ebbs and flows, but meeting your basic needs are something Mm -hmm. that you, that is a real privilege that you should take. Like Mm -hmm. even breathing Mm -hmm. deeply, like I used to smoke a lot and when I quit, someone said to me Person, I was at like this weird seedy um, workshop by the airport, which is a totally (laughs) different story for another time. But he (laughs) said, The reason why you smoke is probably two things. One, you want to connect with people, which, like, hello. Yeah, go chat. I was going
0: to say, go chat, have a cigarette. Yes,
1: just chat. And then the second is because you don't take deep breaths during the day. So now, I my watch goes off. Oh,
0: oh, mine's the same. Go take a breath. Yeah. Breathe.
1: <laughs> yes. And I think, you know.
0: Although I'm usually like, no, 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 go away. <laughs> just tell me the time. See if I've got a text. So well, I probably I should take
1: should just breathe. Just, oh, yeah. just breathe in.
0: Maybe I'm um, yeah, I'm gonna remember that next time yeah. it goes off. <laughs> Excellent. Um, I also really wanted to talk to you about, I know um we spoke about this offline before um, we connected for this conversation and I don't know exactly how to ask you the right question to get all of the information you was trying to tell me out. But um, I know that you have had the privilege of f- photographing families and babies and children at the end of their life i guess and documenting that and you wanted to talk or well, we both wanted to talk about what you'd learn about sort of grief in that scenario and being able to celebrate the woman and the family and everything that they're experiencing and i loved what you said about you never say loss of a child because mothers don't lose children they have i think you described it as having them snatched away from them because Yeah, I don't know. It really resonated with me, although I have used I use the term loss a lot, that it really made me change how I thought about that process, really, because it's true. You don't lose children. You just you have no choice but to live through them not physically being with you and I think a lot of the time people often say oh you're brave or you're this or you're that but I think no one is any of those things because you have no choice Mm -hmm. you didn't go oh it's okay I'm strong I can do it like nobody wants to be that person and you have no choice but to carry on regardless afterwards but anyway I'll let you talk about your experience from doing those things and how that's been for you I suppose because you were saying earlier about bearing witness which I think is really important
1: oh yeah so um my very dear friend which maybe in the show notes you can link to her son's fund okay that, um, yeah if anyone feels the need to um Donate to Caleb's sweet memory. They mm-hmm. have um, something at Sick Kids for him. Mm-hmm. I don't really want to get into details, but mm-hmm. as you said, mm-hmm. I was was able to wa- bear witness to that pain. Mm-hmm. And what I realized with one with my with one of my friends or one of this experience is that when when we talked about. Caleb and Mm -hmm. you know I would ask about a story or this little guy would it was like he was on this earth to Mm -hmm. bring joy to his family and family alone he was like very curmudgeonly for everyone else Mm -hmm. so I would like happily peek into his stroller he passed just before he turned two Mm -hmm. and I, he would like give you a dirty look or like he would cry. And I remember his mom and dad would be like, oh, it's not you. I was like, I'm just going to love him as much as I, like I Mm -hmm. just felt so much love for him. But he, he would like light up when his brother would talk or his mom would talk or his dad, but anyone else, he's like, I don't have time for you. It's like, I have a purpose in this world to you know and I guess the purpose of like giving you a side eye was to make you laugh like Mm -hmm. I don't
0: but but it was like a nice I guess it's a nice thought to think that in that situation that someone is there just to serve their family if their life is so fleeting as
1: well yes yeah you know even now with Sarah like just I remember explaining to my kids because Georgia would say I think we shouldn't talk we I don't want to upset because their eldest son would stay with us a lot we mm-hmm. had the privilege of having the kids of similar ages and, and I'm guessing she's old enough
0: to understand what was going on by this point
1: Georgia yeah, yeah she yeah yeah she was you know they were in kindergarten and what really struck me was her you know everybody would ask for updates uh in our family they are they've feel like family who are mm-hmm. friends and my parents or Georgia would start saying, well, let's not talk about it. And I'm like, you know what, Georgia, it would be doing the world a disservice to not talk about and mm-hmm. share and allow and allow my friend to maybe we should cut out her name. I don't mm-hmm. know if she would. Um, the fun. Okay. So <laughs> to allow, cause that, you know, like any child is such a joy And I think um, people
0: forget that often people
1: forget that. Whereas I have I did this project where I had women talk about their experiences Mm -hmm. and, you know, a lot some of my clients, you know, if I I had the privilege one time of photographing um, a baby in hospice and. I think we forget, or because it is so challenging, you want to shield people from remembering that. Mm-hmm. But
0: well, that's see, all the person actually wants to do it's is remember. all they
1: want to do because this is, you know, the, in the same way that I talk about George as like doing the splits and Evie losing his tooth this morning, regardless of how long your child um, is around, he still wants to be to- with you. You still want to talk about them and celebrate them. And you should have the opportunity to do that. Will it be hard? Yes. So one of the, my friend, I went and visited her son at SickKids. And he had so many tubes. I remember there was just so many tubes and it was really like scary for me to see, like it was heartbreaking. And I started crying and I said I was trying to hide it. And you know when you're trying to hide like a guttural cry of oh, like God. it is yeah. so painful. And so my friend turned around and she's so gracious. She was like, Congratulations, you're not a monster. Mm-hmm. And it was just one of those moments where we start like collapsed into laughter and it was I was like, I'm sorry, I'm just so <sighs> Well
0: it's okay to feel pain from someone else's pain as well, I yes, think. Even if and- they're not showing it. At that moment, it's not to say that they don't feel it; they're just not showing it at that exact yeah, moment. Yeah, it's like they, they probably need a break from one it. One
1: second away from it, and
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I, I just think we it takes to Well, it connects you as a hu-
0: human yeah. to be like that would make me feel shit too. Like, yeah, oh. and you should feel shit. And I think that people often mistake not wanting to bring it up or not wanting to hurt someone's feelings as a silence is needed to do that when actually you can it's not like you're making them forget by not saying something no Um, and
1: they don't want to forget that mm -hmm. was still the happiest most joy like to be able to hold your baby is Mm -hmm. the regardless of what state they are in Mm -hmm. although heartbreaking but just to be able to bear witness to human life that you've grown like what you should and be. And to remember to them after the it. fact as well. Yeah.
0: I actually listened to or watched, sorry, um, uh, and I'll link this in the show notes as well. A comedian um, who does TED Talks, um, and she lost her husband and had some other tragic things happen to her. And she likens this sort of scenario as like me telling you to say, oh, George has had 10 birthdays, don't celebrate anymore. We're like kind of sick of it. <laughs> <laughs> and like, she makes this whole joke about that, where she's like, Why should we have to apply that mentality to people who've lost something? Oh, right. yeah, 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 but like enough now. Like, mm-hmm. it's a bit annoying. No like, feeling yeah, pain.
1: It's like, cause she, Yeah, because I, her... with all due respect, if my child is with me, mm-hmm. I can help them with that pain. Like, I, mm-hmm. it just makes me so angry. Mm-hmm. And I think we don't have the rule book around
0: yeah or we there. aren't open enough to ask sometimes i think as well because it's not a one size fits all is it it's very much like some people might like this and some people might not but just ignoring it isn't fair you can say do you mind if we talk about this or i'd like to ask you about said baby or child or whatever mm-hmm. rather than making assumption that someone would like not to talk about it or even in the opposite effect assuming that somebody does because that helps you because it's really about them, isn't it?
1: Yeah. And like honouring their experience. And I don't know anyone who's going to turn away delicious food three years out because no. it's not, mm-hmm. you know, everybody sort of scatters once the funeral is over. Be- I and mean, I think yeah. it's the human condition of like, okay, back to, but, you know, every year but on actually, a birthday, yeah. every year, like.
0: I think after a funeral could be the worst in any in any case for anyone. Because you are expected to, in quotes, go back to normal, but actually, then you're kind of left in this period of what, where does what does my life look like now? I've got over these milestones, mm-hmm. and now what? And like, how yeah. do you continue? Basically, mm-hmm. not like move on or anything else, but just continue. What's your normal life going to be like now? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think, and the same goes for motherhood. I think checking in on people like I've got a newborn, and I've had endless amounts of help. But I think oh, I'm really shitting myself about what I'm going to do in six months when she can move, oh <laughs> and yeah. all three of my kids are like <laughs> having tantrum. Uh-huh. That scares me more now na- than now. <laughs> oh, you'll so that. if anyone wants to bring me dinner, then that would be great. I,
1: I'm gonna set <laughs> I'm, a, I, I'm gonna set something in my phone. <laughs> um, so. I have a quick story, which is I was photographing this woman and I asked her, um, I don't know, I don't know what it is, but I have people say to me when Mm -hmm. I ask them how many kids they have, they will include, um, their children who are no longer physically with them mm-hmm. and it'll really take them by surprise. So I have no idea why this happens. It's like, mm-hmm. I can count 20 times that this has happened wow. where people are yeah. like, I don't know why I just said that, you know, it's so mm-hmm. I was photographing this woman and she had, she has four kids. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I was asking them about, and she was super awkward of being photographed and she mm-hmm. needed to, she had won this award at work and needed me to give her a head, get a headshot. So, I was taking her photos. So I'm asking her about her kids and I'm asking her like, you know, what advice do you have? Cause she had grown kids and she said, well, you know, I said that I had four kids, but three of them were only physically with me. And, mm-hmm. and she started to cry and she said, you know, I, it's been 35 years where I've even like told a stranger that story. Wow. And I think to the point of like checking in with people mm-hmm. is like, this is a lifetime. It's oh, not yeah. a – and it and what a privilege it is to be invited into that, mm-hmm. to, you know, to – it's a very have, personal thing,
0: isn't it? Yeah. And it must have been really hard for her to come out and say that if it's been a long time since she did.
1: Yeah. 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 And my friend, um, Caleb's mom, they are just – they – go to the zoo every year to celebrate him. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I, I think it's there. There's even like, um, if you have a miscarriage, I -hmm. I don't really know the right terminology, but, um, those days don't go by you know the date of that happening don't oh, go yeah. by without
0: anniversary the before
1: the week after like all of those things where you know it,
0: we don't think about other think realities about, yeah
1: yeah of hey I'm gonna come over and you know I had a friend who um had a miscarriage like very early on she struggled um with like everything under the sun and one year I at the when the child would have been a year I just walked over to her house with a birthday cake oh that's nice it was like it because it was an opportunity you know we can still celebrate really hard things
0: yeah I believe that I think that um it's yeah and it goes back to the human connection of like remembering that when people bring up things and remember things for me even on days where I haven't checked into it that much myself it might be like a smaller um like anniversary if you like to remember and somebody else remembers it it's actually like a really nice thing because even if you wasn't thinking about it and it does make you sad in that moment it's really nice to think that someone cares enough to point it out
1: does that make sense so to just to be seen we're desperate to yes and especially in this day
0: and age where everyone's sort of hiding behind a phone and a computer (laughs) it's nice to have that like real human connection where someone's Mm -hmm. like I remember this on your behalf whether you did or not and whether yeah. you're thinking of it or not right now mm-hmm. and I just want to acknowledge it
1: yeah and I think like lots of people I remember Mike being like you're gonna do what mm-hmm. like just and and I whether you can do you know show up with a the cake there's you or even just a text sometimes yeah, can Mike, be enough to Or dropping off food to Mm -hmm. the door and running away like doing a door dash
0: yeah there's not enough to be said about door dashes, really yeah
1: no
0: because even if someone isn't up for visitors no one's ever going to be mad about a lasagna on the porch no
1: and if they are (laughs) throw it in the garbage
0: yeah you don't even have to tell them yeah give it to someone else freeze it whatever exactly um it's the thought that counts um yeah it really is and that really does go so far i think um no one ever is mad that someone thought to do something nice, even if it wasn't exactly what they wanted. Mm-hmm. You're, you know, people are well intentioned when they're trying, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. rather than not acknowledging it to worry about their own uncomfortableness or their own pain or whatever. So I think, yeah, it's a nice, it's always a nice sentiment, and uh, it's interesting to hear your perspective as somebody else's bad witness to those to other people's experiences and what you've seen from doing that I think is an interesting perspective to have versus just being the person who's in it Mm -hmm. um because I think what you said really resonates with me as well that it's a real privilege to be part of it because it shows that you're close to someone or that you really care about them or that they think highly enough to let you into something that's so deeply personal mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and not many people get to experience that for good or for bad. Um, yeah. I, I think about that a lot of what a privilege it is to be, especially if someone has had such little time with their baby child, like wherever they're at in that period of um, losing them or having them taken away, as you, as you put it earlier, is that, their life might be so short that if you're someone that actually got to meet them or got to be part of that, then that's even more special than spending a birthday every year with someone yes. because mm-hmm. their life is so small that it becomes so much more precious, I think. Um So, yeah, I think that's really beautiful that you get to do that. And, yeah, just bear witness because there's not enough that can be said about bearing witness. And just doing nothing in those moments and acknowledging what someone else is going through. So, yeah, they're my thoughts on it, I guess. And it's kind of a nice place to end, maybe. But thank you for being part of this. And thank you so much for sharing your perspective. And when we do air this, I'm going to get all the stuff to put in the show notes and link to your profile as well, so that people can see the type of photography you do. Because I really want to show this picture to have reference of the five minutes I spent with you <laughs> while you did photos of me and I was like oh it's done um, so yeah thank you again because um time is so precious when you have kids so giving an hour or more to me is really um appreciated thank you thank you thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this podcast it means a lot to me and all the guests involved because bearing your soul and opening your heart to tell your a story is sometimes a really difficult thing if you've enjoyed listening to this podcast please rate review and subscribe and also enter this week's giveaway to a chance to win something fab just for yourself thanks for listening and allowing the guests of the podcast to have their voice and their story heard. Forever grateful, Franny.